Hello to everyone listening. This is Grayson Mask of the That Platinum Mask podcast, and I have with me Susie Robb of Susie Robb Interior Design, as well as the owner of the From Susie, the shop From Susie, as well as the founder of the Six Two Six Foundation. Really, this was a conversation I knew I wanted to have pretty early on into the pandemic. Um, because I was seeing a lot of stories pop up about interior design during this COVID-19 pandemic and just the amount of people working from home wanting to explore their houses and kind of come up with new at-home projects and just changes they can make in their kind of work-from-home stations. So, you know, I was seeing just on how that business was kind of just booming during this, um, and really I wanted to eventually have this conversation. So I wanted to to thank you again, Susie, for having this conversation with me. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Grayson. Definitely. And really, um, when I kind of reached out, um, really, the first thing I read was your uh, shout out DFW blog article and was able to kind of check out your LinkedIn profile as well. And wanted to kind of really get back to just kind of the very beginning of your interest in interior design and wanted to, I know I saw a little bit about, um, you talked about some family members and having some mentors that got your interest in interior design and -hmm. just wanted to see if you wanted to speak a little bit more about that. If, if there was any degree, how your childhood, I guess, shaped your love for interior design. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I'm not uh, a licensed interior designer and I actually didn't go to school for this. Um, It's just a a skill that I have honed for the years that I've been doing it. But um, so in my childhood, my grandmother is a decorator and I I really did grow up just under piles and piles of these uh, magazines like uh, Traditional Home, Southern Living, um, Victoria, there were, she always had magazines about decorating. And I think that's really where my love for it started. Um, I also feel like I have this personality type that just loves change. I love that, um, you know, with design comes constant movement, constant change, updating spaces. Well, someday they'll be outdated again, and then you update them again. And so I've just always had this passion for creative movement And I see that in interior design. Um, So I was a ballet dancer. Uh, I went to, I went to college for ballet. I I danced professionally for a few years after college um, and then had a various number of jobs, was a stay at home mom. And then I've gotten into the retail business of um, home decor and then started the interior design arm of that brand. Definitely. I didn't, um, yeah, after reading the articles, I didn't know about the uh, coming from the the ballet dancer background. That's yeah, that's definitely very interesting. Would you, I guess, consider yourself? I mean, it seems like you've kind of dove into, I mean, just various fields, uh, kind of transitioning back from back. Would you consider yourself, I guess, someone that likes to kind of try just different uh, fields? Yes. Um, I love trying new things. Um, I do feel that I, I always had the, um, there was a common thread that was there in the, uh, designer, um, in the design industry. I just didn't really see it until later, but, um, yeah, I, I had 
various jobs after college, a lot of which were in commercial real estate and um, in purchasing and procurement. And so I, I can look back and see kind of all the little building blocks, though it didn't really make sense when you looked at it as, you know, dancer turned interior designer. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I definitely liked how you kind of mentioned on, you know, even though that there are, I mean, from the outside, it, these fields look so different that there is that you notice that there was a common small thread between each of them. And, and it kind of allowed you to see what you're truly passionate about. Um, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people can kind of take notes from um, on, I guess, finding their kind of true purpose or what they really love to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You talked about kind of working on the retail side of interior design and saw that on your profile on kind of starting in uh, Curtis Creation where you're kind of managing uh, a lot of their business side. And if you wanted to kind of explain what your, uh, I guess, day-to-day role was on uh, managing at Curtis Creation and Mm -hmm. did you, I guess, go into it? Did you always have, I guess, an entrepreneurial mindset or was... um, I guess, doing something like that, a huge leap. Well, yes and no. So I feel like, you know, kind of going back to the trying new things and starting new things, I was always doing something. Um, I remember when I started having kids, I opened an Etsy shop where I made baby bows um, and bow ties. And, you know, so I liked to dabble in entrepreneurship, but uh, taking the full leap, probably not. Um, so when I started working for Curtis creation, it was part-time and I knew that like one day I wanted to have my own business, some, you know, doing either interior decorating or remodeling homes, flipping houses, or even having um, a home decor store. But I did feel like I always had the wisdom to say, you got to start working for people in the industry that you want to be in, um, whatever that looks like. So when I started at Curtis Creation, I mean, I was shipping orders. I was stamping boxes, putting orders in the box, taping them up and shipping them out the door. Um, And we were doing it out of a garage. So it was, you know, really at the ground floor. And I did that for uh, about a year and a half and then worked my way up to uh, warehouse manager and then store manager and then stylist. I was styling our small retail front and then um, when she, when the previous owner wanted to step out of the business, she uh, said, would you like to buy it? And so that's really kind of how I took that leap from, uh, you know, working from someone to now owning a small business. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I saw um, that you're managing it. I didn't know that there was, uh, I mean, such a transition where um, you went through multiple roles before you started managing and then you got the offer to mm-hmm. um, buy out the business. That's definitely, uh, I kind of wanted to ask on really in that kind of transition, because I always hear there's always uh, really tips from entrepreneurs when they say, you know, something like, you know, um, people who are doing a side project don't doing something as a side project and don't commit 100% don't succeed. Or they say something like, um, you know, people who have like plan B's, um, Mm -hmm. or an exit, 
uh, or like a potential exit don't succeed in the business and they have to kind of 100% dive in. But then I hear mm-hmm. from, you know, I've heard like of some people who had businesses saying, you know, if I would have tried to 100% dive in early on without any industry knowledge or experience or the connections, I probably just that 100% drive probably would not have been enough for me. Is it, it, would you have like any advice for, you know, do you lean either way? Oh yeah, I do. And I feel really strongly about it. I think you can't, um, (laughs) I would say a hobby is just not going to cut it. Um, or a side hustle is always going to stay a side hustle without the full leap. Um, I'm pretty open about for me, what that looked like was financial accountability. So because I had to take out a loan to buy the store that I was working for, um, without that financial accountability, I think I would have quit a long time ago. Um, cause it's very hard, you know? And so I'm definitely on team. You've got to give it everything you've got. And then when I, you know, i what we're talking about, the things I used to dabble in, in the past, you know, an Etsy store. Okay. Am I going to turn that into a multi-million dollar business, um, being a stay at home mom and making bows on the weekends? Maybe if I were to like really put some, something, some leverage, you know, put something on the line, uh, to where it, it, it's either do or die. Um, so I think you've got to create something that's, going to keep you going when your enthusiasm runs out, when your excitement uh, fails, (laughs) you know, what's going to keep you going. And so for me, I'm always telling young entrepreneurs, it's, it's that financial piece. You've got to put skin in the game. No, I definitely like the kind of the advice on, yeah, once the excitement runs out, you need something additional just in case, um, really like, uh, kind of on top of that, I wanted to ask, so when you made that leap, is there any, I guess, common misconceptions about entrepreneurship or owning your business? Or is there something that, that you thought like, wow, they would not teach you this in business school? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I think, um, I don't know, you know, because I, there's so much I've learned having not gone to business school and having a ballet, a fine arts degree, you know, really learning the hard way about cash flow. Gosh, that was just, um, quite the lesson learned. But then I love that, you know, I love that every, uh, all of my business experience and what I've learned as a business owner has been, um, through trial and error. It's been, you know, sink or swim and take the lessons with you. Um, so I don't know that I, I could say this is something that wasn't taught because I feel like none of it was taught. Um, but I do think that the, you know, I, this is my personality personally, but I think a lot of young people have this, um, this day and age, just the, they've got all the excitement, uh, in the world for something and maybe lacking in a lot of the follow through. And so again, just to reiterate that point of you, you know, you need to have something that's going to, um, keep you moving forward when that enthusiasm runs out. Because I think one thing that, you know, isn't taught or isn't really, I think people oftentimes romanticize or glamorize entrepreneurship. Um, but one thing that is not really talked about is like, you could get bored. 
you really can get bored. This can be something that you absolutely love, that you love doing with all your heart. And, and you've been doing it now, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the last two years. And now you're over it. And I think like people don't talk about that boredom and maybe that's just specific to me. I don't think it is, but, um, I would say like, be prepared for that rut of, Mm. okay, you know, you, you're going to hit plateaus in business anyway. Um, you're going to have, uh, seasons and times when you're not, uh, you don't see a lot of growth, you know, not everything is an upward projection. And in those moments, when you've become bored with what it is you're doing and you're not seeing any ROI, yeah, you're going to want to quit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely, I kind of like that you mentioned that, I guess with younger generations with um, that instant gratification uh, yes. with enjoyment of things. That's uh, where it's, Yeah, where it's, I, I guess, harder to make it a larger investment. I, I guess, are you optimistic or pessimistic with future generations do you think like that might be able to go down eventually with uh where we're not wanting that insta gratification with Mm -hmm. uh easy alternatives of enjoyment i don't really know and this isn't necessarily an original thought because i think i've heard it somewhere but it's kind of the idea of like um i'm not sure if the younger generation is going to be able to push through, but for those that are, that will push through, uh, they'll have less competition because there will be less people that are really hustling, uh, for what it is that they want. So if you're one of the ones that are going to give it your all and you're not going to quit, I think you're going to break through this, uh, this ceiling and find there's not a lot of you up there. Um, now, Again, that may not be true, but that's that's kind of <laughs> the feeling that I get is, you know, uh, everyone loves being entertained. Everyone loves the instant gratification and, and, you know, nobody really wants to put in the hard work. And so uh, if you can teach yourself self-discipline and if you can uh, learn to just keep going, I think you'll surpass everyone um, sooner than you think. Mm-hmm. Has there been, um, I guess, anything you've done on your end when you have, you you talked about having that long plateau of, you know, possibly doing the same thing every day. Has, Has there been anything that you had to do that maybe just to change things up or have you just gotten, um, I guess, have been able to gain enjoyment from the plateau? Um, say that again. I want to make sure I understand the question. Definitely. I was kind of uh, wondering if you've done anything on your end when you, I guess, have that plateau. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. If you had, if you had to do anything, maybe just to change things up or if you've just been able to uh, do well um, on that plateau or like be able to extract enjoyment from kind of a plateau. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So two things. First was I realized um, working from home, um, getting bored with that. You know, I, I really am an extrovert. I love um, just being around people. They, they I drive energy from that. And so um, I signed a lease for a shared workspace. You know, that was one thing I knew if I could change the environment in which I was working, that it would... Um, that it would create more um, like creative juices would start flowing again. Um, so that was an easy 
um, I think that's a an easy tip or piece of advice for people because it's actually not that expensive. Um, and you know, if it can increase your production, then you should do it, you know, but there was something to be said for getting up in the morning and getting dressed and going to an office. And I think with small business ownership, uh, you may not have that because you may be working from home. And then, um, what's funny is, or not funny, but during the pandemic, now everyone's stuck at home. And I think we saw a lot of this, like, um, just to me, it almost seemed negative, you know, this, this kind of, I, I don't like where I'm working from and I've been stuck in here for God knows how long. And I just don't have anything to muster up to, uh, keep going. And so for that, and, um, that's not necessarily the only reason I did it also out of necessity was hiring people. So bringing people on your team, even remotely, you know, I've, I hired a gal in Colorado and one in Atlanta and to be able to now have even just on zoom, fresh blood or, you know, fresh meat, whatever the term is (laughs) to, to have like people, you know, that are now like helping inspire you and helping you and, um, and then they bring their fresh enthusiasm to your business. I think that's another great way to break through those plateaus. So change your change your um, office space, your work environment, and then change the people that um, are around you. Yeah, that's definitely, um, yeah, I really like that idea for entrepreneurs on possibly, yeah, bringing in kind of fresh blood on people with different perspectives that maybe teach you something or mm-hmm. help you unlock a new enjoyment for or a new passion for your business. Uh, no, I think that's very uh, great insight and just changing kind of where you work. Um, really with uh, kind of when you talked about changing your placement and people kind of working from home during this pandemic, I wanted to kind of ask on if there was any, I could assume, you know, uh, interior design has definitely been uh, really your requests have definitely been wild because with people working from now over a year, um, people are possibly feeling maybe a little suffocated or a little locked down, kind of being in the same, working on the same laptop in the same living room. What has <laughs> been, has there been any um, common customer request or has there been any um, changes in like what customers want when they're kind of designing their living spaces? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our phones have been ringing off the hook for interior design projects. Um, you know, we mentioned earlier, like people are sick of it. They're sick of their houses, you <laughs> know, and they're finally willing to spend the money uh, that's necessary to create a, a home that they can enjoy. And so probably the most common um, areas that we've seen are kitchens and bathrooms, which is, I think that's true no matter what. Um, and especially with how hot the real estate market is, people know kitchen and bathrooms, sell your house. So those are the ones that need to be updated, but also the, the return of the home office, you know, people really wanting a space that they can, um, that they can make an office out of and work, work from home. And can you make it organized and can you make it beautiful? And, um, and so we're seeing a lot of requests for that as well. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely can relate to the uh, 
the introduction or the the rebuilding of the home office because i know from my perspective and i've had i remembered seeing some studies that um i I used to kind of like work more in just kind of my bedroom on just kind of my work work laptop during this pandemic and i was seeing studies on saying that you know if you work kind of in your room or like close to the bed this actually can possibly interfere with sleep sometimes because mm-hmm. your brain starts get hard starts hardwiring and starts recognizing your bedroom as a workstation instead mm-hmm. of actually for sleep uh so no I'm, I'm definitely enjoying the idea and definitely can relate to trying to find a new location that i only use for specifically work yeah Yep. But no, that's uh yeah, I'm definitely glad that there's uh definitely a change uh with that, uh especially during people being suffocated in this environment. Um so I wanted to talk a little bit about and kind of dive more into the six two six collection. I guess first if you wanted to kind of state uh what that organization does as a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So it's the 626 Foundation, um, and what we do is we help design and fully furnish spaces um, at no cost to the families um, for people who have walked through something very tragic. So it could be divorce, illness, death. Um, We come in and we help them fix the spaces that they associate with these really painful times. Um, it's funny because now you can add COVID to the list of casualties that people are experiencing, you know, of reasons that they need uh, help in their homes again. So uh, that's that's what we do. We're solely donor-based. So um, you can find out more information at 626foundation.org. You can apply for assistance there. You can nominate someone um, and then you can donate. And so our efforts there are, they really took a hit when uh, the pandemic started, both, you know, because we physically couldn't go into these homes to help people, but then um, just from a resource standpoint, I think everyone was really uh, tightening things up. And so it was hard to find um, find the donations that we needed to keep going, but we're ready to, to, keep, to keep moving forward and to help more families in 2021 and beyond. Mm-hmm. And how, um, I was seeing some of the links on there. So how can people, uh, are people able to, I guess, donate decorations or items or, um, how do people collaborate? So we, we actually don't accept any donations. It's kind of twofold. One, now that, you know, in light of COVID and all that it has exposed just from a sanitary standpoint, it's difficult to accept, used items. Um, but also because our heart is to help people get a fresh start and make them feel that they have a new space and something that they can take pride in, there is this um, psychological element of having something new. And so we, what we really want to do is create custom spaces for people. And so um, just for me personally, I feel like I'm hesitant to put in hand-me-down pieces. And, you know, there, there's a place for it sometimes. And, and, and that can be great, especially with using antiques and different stuff like that. But what we're really trying to do is collaborate with, um, other business owners who might own a furniture store or own a flooring company. Um, those collaborations are even more important because we can, we can get those items donated and create these, um, 
these wonderful spaces for these families. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I like um, how you mention the importance of, and I saw on the website, the importance of working with local um, furniture shops, as well as really some of your art designs, you feature local DFW artists. I was kind of wondering, really just how have you seen them been impacted? Have you been still uh, trying to help out the kind of just local businesses during this entire Mm -hmm. pandemic? Yeah. So my store is shopfromsusie.com and most of our products are made here in the United States and even more are made right here in Texas. So we try to um, highlight these makers and artisans that, you know, you're not going to, if you're shopping for home decor at Target or Home Goods or wherever else, you know, you're going to get that really low sticker price, but it's more than likely imports. They're from overseas. They're low quality. That's why the price is what they are. Um, So we really wanted to, um, even before the pandemic, start partnering with uh, American makers. And so I think that set our business apart from the shop side. Um, And we're also able to create exclusive products. Like you're going to get products from us that are not on Amazon because we've had them commissioned um, to make these pieces for us. So I see that being twofold. I mean, it benefits our customers and it helps the maker. Um, So we started this thing called the decor box and it's a seasonal, um, it's a seasonal box at the store where you would get eight to 10 hand curated items by uh, American makers. And it's kept my um, store afloat really during the pandemic. Our clients love it and we do pre-orders and that's, um, that's been really exciting. And so, um, back to your question about like artists, you know, uh, we were connected with this, um, I can't think what's the word for a, a pottery person, a potist, (laughs) (laughs) a ceramicist, uh, but a a local guy and his wife, they're artists, um, out in Decatur, uh, they're called, uh, their will in Kirsten Wright and um, they create their own pottery and paintings and it's fantastic to support them and to also bring their artwork into the homes of our customers and just the cross marketing that we're able to do um, is fantastic. Definitely. I like how um, uh, really you kind of originally talked about the psychological impact of having a new space and using new designs on uh, really the benefits that can have on someone. And I would probably add to that on, I would say the same thing about anything locally made, or if, if you get a chair that was maybe designed by a local artist in Dallas, and you kind of see that there's maybe a story behind it, I can, it, it kind of gives you, I guess, that connection to maybe a furniture piece or a sculpture or any type of art design uh, mm-hmm. within your living space. Yeah. And, you know, it works the other way too in a negative. So, you know, going back to why we're going in there to help families that have been affected by tragedy, but, you know, you take, for example, um, either death or divorce, and you've got this piece of furniture that has like a psychological connection. It's got sentimental value 
to maybe a, um, maybe a bittersweet memory or maybe a very painful one. And so you're finding that these objects that people put in their homes, like unless they're just cheap pieces that they picked up, um, they really do mean something. So yeah, in the, in the negative aspect, you may have like just a piece that doesn't bring the best of memories back, or you get this new piece by an artist that has nothing but really great, uh, um, feelings attached to it. And so we're really seeing just the emotional connection between people and their spaces. Mm -hmm. And I guess with the six to six foundation, was there any maybe stories that you kind of had or um, any highlights with that business, uh, with that nonprofit on, you know, that made you really excited on just the benefits and the enjoyment that can be delivered out of these new projects? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately we haven't been able to really get, uh, get another one going since things have started to open back up, but the applications are still running, rolling in and you're just seeing a lot of these, um, yeah, these stories where you're thinking this, (laughs) these people should not be stuck in this space for that long. That can't be good on their mental health, you know? And, um, if anything, it was confirmation for our efforts that what we're doing really is important. I think sometimes people think interior design and they think like, oh, that's, that's a luxury. You know, that's something that's only afforded to the wealthy and um, we're just going to do the best that we can. And, uh, you know, it is expensive to hire a designer and a decorator, but I do think that with the foundation, like we're, we're taking that otherwise, um, afforded luxury and we're bringing it down to, to people that need it. And so that's been really cool is to see them, um, get spaces that are created for them, um, that they would otherwise not be able to afford those kind of services. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wanted to, um, really ask about, so we, we talked primarily about interior designing, but I, I see on the uh, the sh- shop from Susie that there are other aspects of your business. Did, have you, um, I, I saw a book on the website. Ha- so have you done writing on interior design or about something like that? Yeah. So, you know, we started this decor box and I'll just kind of tell you how this evolved. Um, so each season you were going to get, a, like I said, eight to 10 um home decor products. And they were made by artists that we designed what we wanted these pieces to look like. So we designed a, um, trying to think, give you an example, uh, like a pillow, you know, we, we picked the fabric and and the pattern that we wanted it stitched in. And we found a local gal seamstress that could do it for us. Or like with, um, the guy with the pottery, you know, I wanted a specific vessel and, and that's what he created. So you're getting all these pieces. Well, so I created what was called like a style guide. And that just was kind of a little booklet to show you how to use these pieces um, in your home and give you kind of multiple options for how to style them. And then we thought, well, we really need to talk about these makers. So then the next one we did, we put in stories about the maker. Okay, so now you know where this piece is from and who made it and how to style it. Then we just kept going. So with each... (laughs) box that we've done. Now we are at a full blown magazine. So this, now we've got a magazine in every decor box is over a hundred pages and it's filled with, um, tips, uh, 
a style guide, uh, stories behind the artist and the products. And it's just, it's truly wonderful. And we're, we're going to keep moving forward with that. So it's a seasonal publication and you can purchase it outside of the decor box. You don't have to have the decor box. Um, and so we're writing articles or I am primarily and my branding manager for this publication. And the goal is to have, um, a book. We're going to create a book that is somehow going to tie everything together, um, with what it is that we've been doing. And I don't know yet what it is, but I can feel it and it's close. Definitely. Yeah. I saw, um, when I, when I really saw that it definitely was, I guess, wild for me, not coming from not knowing too much about the interior design world that there was just so much content that could be prepared on. This is, this is, uh, interior design this is how something was created this is who created it here's their story and background and kind of coming up with just a entire uh novel universe based on that it's uh no i'm definitely looking forward to seeing how the book turns out and really just seeing how it wraps up thank you me too (laughs) well um really i kind of really wrapping this up i wanted to Again, on ask on uh, kind of you already talked about it, but really with COVID nineteen, um, really the vaccines coming out, and you know possibly we're seeing a little bit of a light at the end of this tunnel. I just wanted to ask on if there's any uh, really outside of just writing, if there's any long term projects you see with your interior design business, with your shop from Susie, with uh, your nonprofit foundation. If there's any just um, really long-term projects you can't wait to see once uh, social distancing is down and, you know, you get to see people. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, I think, you know, to reiterate what I said earlier, like the whole thing has been confirmation for me that we are, that we're, we are doing what we need to do. uh, Meaning um, I'm on the right track so to speak. So, you know, my life, my life's purpose feels like helping others through the medium of interior design. And the pandemic has really kind of solidified that, that there is a space for that and a need for that and to keep going. So I see us continuing to move forward with helping people with their spaces. Um, but then I also think like the sky is truly the limit, you know, when, when things open back up and, and this becomes a thing of the past, and I'm hoping I'm speaking that into existence um, when I say that. But um, yeah. like we've just been dreaming of so many things and so many ways in which we want to bring people together. Um, you know, a lot of people have said like uh, retail is dead or as far as storefronts, that everything's moved online. I don't know that I agree with that. I think we're going to see it circle back to where people want to get out and they want to come to um, destinations and to walk and see strangers. And so that's still a, a a goal of mine is to have that retail front, um, the storefront. And, and then I just see it becoming, everything's going to be to me bigger than what it seems. So, you know, a store that's also a gathering space. That's also, you know, event center, you just sky's the limit. Um, you truly, whatever you're imagining, I think, COVID has cultivated a lot of creativity in us because we've been 
left with our imaginations. <laughs> and so in a good way, yeah. you know, we're all going to say like, this is what we dreamed about um, when we were stuck and we're going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. No, I'm definitely excited to see. It. And I would uh, definitely agree with the idea on some of these in industries popping up. Whenever I see an article that just says, um, you know, will this be the end of like, what will COVID be the end of this? And it's just kind of, I, I think that's normally just journalism taking it too far. And I think it's always, yeah. you know, dumb. And I think, yeah, people are just wanting to make a comeback, but I would also just kind of uh, agree. Yeah. I think um, anyone who's been able to adapt uh, to this pandemic and has been able to stay creative and motivated during um, kind of some of the social isolation. I think that I would agree that the sky is a limit moving after this. Um, you know, if you're able to do this during this, you know, who knows what you can do, what you could accomplish after COVID-19. So no, I definitely mm -hmm. wanted to thank you again, Susie, for jumping on this podcast episode with me and really explaining just interior designing during all of this and then just how you got into the business and what you plan to do um, moving forward. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Grayson. Definitely.